Hi, I'm Cole from Floyd's Knobs, Indiana, a student pharmacist attending Sullivan University's College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences in Louisville, Kentucky. You're listening to Pharmacy Forward, a podcast about transforming knowledge into action. Hello, and welcome to the Pharmacy Forward podcast. My name is Laurie Fleming, and my co-host today is Will Gust, a PGY2 ambulatory care pharmacy resident. We're both from the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy. Hey everyone! In this episode of Pharmacy Forward, we are talking about vaccine hesitancy and people who disagree. We find ourselves in a time where these topics could not be more relevant. The ramifications of a global pandemic occurring during a period of high medical mistrust have reached pharmacists in every practice setting. Each of us only wants the best for our patients, but sometimes our knowledge, experience, and data are not enough to convince our patients that the best treatment option is right for them. This is why it is crucial for all of us to learn how to best communicate with our patients about the benefits of potential treatments and interventions. I think today's topic is extremely important and timely. Because as an ambulatory care pharmacist and student experiential director, I have seen firsthand the consequences of ineffective patient communication, which can range from uncomfortable encounters to outright refusal of treatment. So in this episode, we want to empower practitioners with some useful tools to effectively communicate with patients. As a rising ambulatory care pharmacist, I'm really excited about this discussion. Effective communication is central to every intervention I recommend, and I am psyched to learn about how to improve on this front. Our guests today are fellow pharmacists, Dr. Bruce Berger of Berger Consulting in Auburn University, and Dr. John Grabenstein from Vaccine Dynamics. Dr. Berger is an expert in motivational interviewing, and Dr. Grabenstein is a vaccinologist and epidemiologist. Bruce, John, welcome to the Pharmacy Forward podcast. It's great to be here. Very important topic. Thanks very much for the invitation. This should be fun. So, Bruce and John, over the course of your careers, I know that you have each developed a multitude of approaches to address vaccine hesitation and medication adherence. But I think it's important to start at the root of the problem, which is patient mistrust. In your experience, what are some of the biggest contributing factors to medical mistrust? Well, um, I think uh, a lot of a, a lot of the problems that contribute to mistrust are, you know, misinformation. People are getting information from unreliable sources sometimes. I think another problem, uh, and we saw this with COVID, is changing information. Uh, we know a lot more about COVID now than when it first came out. We know a lot more about the vaccines now than when they first came out. And whenever people hear changes, it makes them start doubting the information. Fear and anxiety are major contributors. Uh, distrust of the motives of the healthcare professional. And a lot of times we see distrust of the motives of the healthcare professional when the patient really doesn't feel like they're being listened to and where there's a lack of empathy in the relationship. Last thing I'll say is that not everything that has to do with adherence is founded in mistrust. Sometimes uh, it's not patient mistrust. It's, It's they really don't understand the seriousness of an illness or the importance of treatment because they may be asymptomatic, like with high blood pressure and early diabetes. So uh, those are the major contributors to me. Uh, One thing, uh, as you're uh, going to talk to a a new patient, a new 
person that's in your pharmacy is is to assume that they're misinformed rather than mistrusting. But certainly you, you'll see in your patients, you, you've already have seen in your patients, a very wide range of emotions, sometimes fear, sometimes doubt, sometimes anger. And you'll need to diagnose, um, you know, in, in, the, in the first few questions you ask, uh, what, the, what the patient's uh, state of mind is. But we, you know, we're, we're almost a year into having vaccine available. And, and early on, there, was a, there were a lot of people who wanted to wait and see with regard to vaccine safety, which is not an unreasonable approach to things, you know, recognizing a, a thousand people are dying a day of COVID-19. Uh, and and now we're in a case where parents, considering vaccination for their kids, may want to be in a wait and see situation for a few months or or, or, or for a while. And then you know some uh, uh, folks will will n- have heard stories, may not know all the historical details, but know that there's been unethical research in the past. Some of it government sponsored, long long ago. But that, you know that that that's a part of fear and mistrust. And then uh, I'm going to introduce another category of people, um, people who are just apathetic. Uh, it, you know, it's no big deal. It's nothing to, it's nothing to uh, disrupt their day. They'll get, a, yeah, they'll get around to vaccination eventually, maybe. And so, um, you know, it, it, one, of the, one of the early things you, you should do is to figure out uh, where, the, where the patient in front of you, the person in front of you is coming from. Yeah, if I can, if I can add a couple small pieces to that too. One of the things that we tell pharmacists when we're training them to do is to, uh, you know, look at the patient with diabetes or high blood pressure and and ask them if they could uh, tell you in their own words what does having high blood pressure mean to to you? What does having diabetes mean to you? Uh, what's your understanding of what the treatment will do? And you you can uncover their some of their motivation or apathy or sense making that in fact may be uh, problematic so that we can, you know, so that we can begin in the same place. Uh, one other thing, and, and John uh, alluded to this, again, as, as information as landscape changes, my niece, who is a nurse, was very hesitant to get a vaccine when the uh, mRNA vaccines came out because she said, well, they came to the market so fast. And one of the things that I said to her is, and that's got you concerned because you're wondering, have they done enough testing and research to know how safe they are? And she said, exactly. Well, the news media did a terrible job of helping people understand that that this was a, a new application of mRNA research that had been going on for well over 10 years. And when I told her that, that really helped allay some of her fears. Thank you both for that useful advice that may help with the patient breakthrough. When it comes to unsuccessful conversations and patient hesitancy, students, residents, and even pharmacists often fall into one of two categories. They're either too nervous about confronting to continue the conversation, or they're too aggressive, which further may tune people out. These unsuccess stories often occur in spite of having training during pharmacy school and motivational interviewing. With this in mind, what are some of your favorite techniques to persuade patients toward a beneficial vaccine or another therapy that may promote productive conversation? 
I'll, I'll start with one tip, which is uh, save the monologues for late night television, uh, not for the, the interactions at your, at your pharmacy counter. Uh, think about bite-sized segments. Uh, you want to ask questions. You want to really listen. Uh, and then offer a comment, ask, listen, comment, ask, listen, comment, so that so that it's a dialogue back and forth, uh, not you trying to dump everything you've uh, absorbed and, and, and memorized uh, to them all at once, because uh, they've got a learning curve if they're willing to learn or if they're interested in learning or if they seek to learn. Um, and, and you want to do it in, in ways that they can uh, that they can absorb it. And, and to make sure that what you're saying is relevant uh, to the position that they're in. And of that ask, listen, comment triad, the most important one is listening. Yeah, and uh, let me start by saying, first of all, that, you know, despite its frequency of use in healthcare, when patients are ambivalent or resistant to change, persuasion is actually the worst strategy to use with these patients. Uh, with motivational interviewing, we don't try to persuade, convince, or motivate patients. What we're trying to do is explore their motivation and explore what would make taking a, using a vaccine, uh, taking their medicine, losing weight, whatever the behavior is, what would make it important? What gets in the way? We try to, and, and more than anything, we try to honor their perspective even even if the information they're operating from is is incorrect, uh, so we want to honor their perspective and then provide new information and insights for them to consider. Uh, persuasion actually causes patients to defend their current position, whether that's not taking a, a vaccine or not or quitting smoking. The best strategies, uh, as John mentioned, started with, start with listening, empathy honoring the patient's concerns and information. Uh, and again, even if their information is inaccurate. Um, I, I'll try to give a few more examples of this later. Uh, lastly, part of the problem is motivational interviewing and training in pharmacy schools is, is often, I hate to say it, inadequate. Um, a minimum of eight to, hour, eight to 16 hours of training and guidance by an expert is required uh, to become adept at MI, and often the schools don't have either the experts on their faculty or commit uh, adequate curricular time. So even though our students may have had uh, a brush with motivational interviewing, they're really not adept at it when they come out of pharmacy schools uh, too often. In recent times, one of the largest barriers to vaccine uptake has undoubtedly been vaccine misinformation. For every study you can cite on vaccine safety and efficacy, there's a counter article from Dr. Google or a Facebook post to counter it. How do each of you confront vaccine misinformation? And as a follow-up question, does your approach change based on whether you have a patient-provider relationship or having an initial visit? Will, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Did you notice how you phrased your question to us? You said, how, how should we confront vaccine misinformation? Uh, I'd, rec I'd recommend that pharmacists don't confront anything. Uh, if you want to earn trust, you have to show respect. And I'm, I'm sure everybody agrees with that. But, but, it has, but, they, but that person in front of you has to perceive the respect or, or actually grant you the respect uh, in real time. Um, and, 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 you know, so we need to be kind to the, to the people 
it, it, you know, especially, the, you know, think of them as fearful, think of them as angry, hopefully angry at somebody else, not angry at you. Um, and uh, remember that lots of folks make decisions uh, based on just reading a headline, not even uh, knowing or reading or understanding details in a, in a long article. So you really want to find out where they're coming from. Um, it, it, it matters, I think, whether it's an established relationship or not. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to come, come back to Bruce on that point. I, because, I mean, there, obviously, if, if this is the first day you've ever met the person, you know, it's not an established relationship yet. Yeah, and I, what I would say is what, what really matters is, I mean, look, you can know somebody a long time and the relationship has been contentious, right? And so what's what's absolutely the most critical here is whether it's a short-term relationship, and especially if you've never met the patient before, you know, the first words that come out of your mouth have got to be words that, that the patient finds uh, soothing, finds non-judgmental, non-threatening. And as John said, non-confrontational. I'm actually involved in training healthcare professionals on how to talk with patients. So I'm involved uh, in particular with uh, MTM companies or medication therapy management companies who have pharmacists calling patients, particularly those over 65, and doing comprehensive medication reviews or targeted medication reviews. Um, kind of responses I use with MI, uh, again, involve empathy, reflection, being non-judgmental, and establishing a relationship that says from the patient, says to the patient, from what you've told me, I now see why you're so hesitant to use this vaccine. Uh, I had a patient say, I don't want to get one of these COVID vaccines. I heard it can give you COVID. And sadly, too often, the first response that comes out of a healthcare professional's mouth is, well, it can't give you COVID. That's just not true. And one of the things our research has shown is that whenever we cause a patient to lose face, whenever we cause face loss, uh, which happens when we're basically correcting the patient, saying, no, that's not right. How many times have we been over this? You need to take your medicine every day. Whenever we cause the patient to lose face, they do one of two things. They either stop listening or they start discounting the information we give them. Confrontation is another way that we cause face loss in patients. When we confront them, no, that's not right. Or uh, I don't know where you heard that, but your friend is wrong. <laughs> uh, it causes face loss. And sadly, Almost 70% of the conversations that I listen to with healthcare professionals who do not have training uh, in things like motivational interviewing, 70% of those conversations contain multiple instances of face loss. That's kind of sad. And so rather than saying to that patient, well, I heard this vaccine can give you COVID. I don't want to take it. The first thing we ought to be saying is, so you read or heard that this vaccine can give you COVID, and my goodness, the last thing you want is COVID, and you're thinking to yourself, why in the world would I want to take a vaccine that could do that to me? And, and then when the patient hears us say that, they're far more likely to now say, okay, I've got somebody who's not going to judge me or criticize me, and I, they're on my side. And then I would say, 
you know, uh, would you mind if I just shared some thoughts with you and you let me know what you think? Again, the idea being this is a meeting of experts. Uh, the patient's an expert on what they know and understand, and I'm an, I may be an expert as John on vaccines and medications, et cetera. So the approach has got to honor uh, the patient, even if they're providing misinformation. And, and of course, the relationship in all of this is critical. If we don't have a very good relationship, we're going to have to work really hard to really listen to the patient. For the patient who is initially unwilling to take a vaccine or start a new therapy, sometimes patient anger and confrontational attitude is inevitable. How do you de-escalate a potentially confrontational patient encounter when presenting a new idea, and do you have any techniques for preventing a confrontational encounter in the first place? Yeah, and I would go back again to uh, empathy and really listening is critical. I, I find that the more agitated somebody is, the calmer my voice gets. And I know that that may be contrary to what most people are, are thinking or feeling at the time, but uh, speaking in a calm voice, reflecting the patient's frustration and why they seem frustrated. You know, you, you sound frustrated because, and then say why. Now, if you don't understand the source of the patient's frustration, then I would calmly explore it. I'd say something along the lines of, you sound very frustrated and I want to help. Could you tell me more about what's making you feel frustrated in that right now? And how can I help? In regard to preventing a confrontational encounter in the first place, again, uh, it really requires honoring the patient and treating them with the utmost respect. Now, having said this, if a patient remains uh, angry or even abusive, you know, I, I believe that the patient, the patient deserves respect. But I also believe that we deserve respect and that we don't, we don't deserve to be sworn at, yelled at, etc. And again, I think we can first start with, I hear how angry you are and I want to help. Can you tell me more? But if the patient remains agitated, then I think we have to say something like, I really want to help, but I don't want to be yelled at or sworn at. Could we please talk with each other? Now, if that doesn't work, then I would let the patient know if I'm on the phone that I'm going to hang up or I'm going to walk out. And if I need to get security, um, Hopefully, that's a great exception, and it probably will be a great exception if we're able to listen to the patient and, and really empathize with what they're saying in order to lower the temperature. It's really been a pleasure getting to hear your perspectives on all of this. We've had a lot of discussion about overcoming barriers to productive conversations about vaccine or treatment hesitancy. But one thing I really want to emphasize and make sure that we address is that the hesitant patient is not a burden and not an enemy. Each of us is shaped by our own experience, and as the saying goes, perception is reality. To that end, how do each of you go about maintaining strong patient-provider relationships and patient trust over time, even if a patient ultimately refuses a vaccine or therapy during a visit? Well, remember that you might not get a win today. Uh, it, you know, it might take the accumulation of multiple people 
saying the same sorts of things to get the person to be willing to be vaccinated. And if you're in a public setting, or remember what, think about what bystanders are seeing and hearing. You want to make sure you're preserving your professional image. You're not going to arm wrestle <laughs> to, uh, to prove your point. You need to be unfailingly polite um, and persevere. Uh, it took me six years to get my own mother to get a, a, her flu shot every year and seven years for my dad. Now, nobody, you know, there, no one can be a prophet in their own land, but um, it may take several rounds on different days uh, to, to, uh, to get people to think through uh, what, they, uh, what they believe about a vaccine and, and what they will uh, accept as, as, uh, as fact. It, uh, also, listen with your eyes. Uh, make sure you're watching their body language as, you, as you're having that conversation. Uh, that may help you with uh, some of your diagnosis. The point I, I, I've picked up from Bruce the most today is the repeating back of what person said as a, as a, as a, a means of showing your understanding, that you know where they're coming from. It's really important to, to have a, a big picture perspective. And, and part of that is that in healthcare, we kind of get trained sometimes that we're driving the bus and the patient's a passenger. And the fact of the matter is the opposite's true. The patient has always driven the bus. Ultimately, they always decide whether they want to take a vaccine, use a medicine, et cetera. You know, our job is to be caring, loving influencers of the route that the patient takes. The other big picture that I, I want to point out is that we can sever the relationship with the patient by mistreating that patient over their decision not to use the vaccine. What I've got to keep in mind is that this patient may be uh, taking medication for blood pressure, diabetes, or any other, any other illnesses. And if I mishandle the relationship about vaccines, I'm going to have a hard time having the kind of influence I'd like to have on a patient about their blood pressure or, or their diabetes. And so, again, I have to keep in mind that these are all the choice of the patient, and this is just one choice. And I don't want to do anything to harm the relationship and reduce my effectiveness in dealing with other issues the patient may be dealing with. Right. I, that, that, that's perfect. And, um, you know, I, I've been specializing in vaccines for almost 40 years. And, and long ago, I learned that it's not how much you know about immunology. It's how much you know about sociology. People are making their own choices. and so. It's up to us to uh, give them respect, hear what they uh, are worried about, concerned about, what they believe. We can, if they're willing, we can offer them additional information, proper information, uh, and, and then together uh, get them to a place where they would want, where they would want the vaccine. And I, and I would really encourage listeners to, to go out and get some substantial training on learning how to do these things, too, because we spend a lot of time in pharmacy school learning about drugs, but nowhere near a, as much time learning, how do you talk to a patient who says, I don't care, I don't want to do it? 
in a way that advances the relationship. So go out and get some more training. These are great points that encourage being patient with our patients. Bruce and John, thank you so much for joining us today for the Pharmacy Forward podcast. It has been an honor to talk with both of you, and I'm energized by your passion. This has been awesome. I hope our listeners found this episode really helpful, and I can't wait to use your advice in the years to come. Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Forward, a podcast about transforming knowledge into action. If you like this podcast, please subscribe using your favorite podcast app and tell all of your pharmacy friends and colleagues. Be sure to rate us and send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Pharmacy Forward is produced by the Division of Pharmacy Professional Development at the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy. For more information about our professional development programs, visit pharmacycpd.org. That's pharmacycpd.org. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.